Hello, everybody. It's Leslie Jane Seymour. I'm the founder of Covey Club and of this podcast, and I'm so excited. I have a really interesting productivity expert for you today. I feel like, gosh, when you get to a certain point um, in this discussion about reinvention, inspiration is great, but then there is the hard work of actually getting it done. And so I'm scattering in a bunch of people who can help us with the actual hard work. How do we get this done? How do you actually do it? Um, and I found Tanya Dalton, who is a productivity expert, writer, speaker, and founder of Inkwell Press Productivity Company. It's a company centered around productivity tools and training. And the irony is her book is called The Joy of Missing Out. So <laughs> what her whole point, obviously, is that to be more productive, you have to be doing less. And I think in our crazy, busy, wacky lives that we live today, all of us do too much. And what's very clear is that we do spend too much time doing the wrong things, um, whether by hook or by crook or because we don't know any better. Um, we waste a lot of time, not intentionally, but we just are not necessarily focused on propelling ourselves forward. And sometimes I'll, I mean, I, you know, I have that big long list and I love to check off 50,000 things. And, but sometimes by the end of the day, I feel like I didn't move myself forward. Yeah. I checked all this stuff off, but didn't take me anywhere. So her whole point is kill that idea. Focus on the five things per day that actually move you forward. And she has a whole system for that, which I think is really very interesting. And then you will feel more accomplished at the end of the day. And she is a multi-reinventor herself. And she is just one of those people, gosh, I wish I was one of them, who just sits down one day and says, I'm not happy like this. Let me figure out what to do next with myself. And they just sit down and figure it out. And God bless them because they can teach us all how to do what they did because I'm not that good at it. Um, but hopefully you will enjoy this conversation. And if you like our little talks here, I hope that you will give us some stars and a rating. Um, we need that in order to get our, uh, our visibility up on all the platforms where we are out. So if you like what you hear here, please give us some stars and also subscribe and then also pass us along to your friends who might need some help with reinvention because we're really here to help. That's our goal. So anyway, here I'm bringing you Tanya Dalton. So let's welcome Tanya Dalton. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much Good. for having me. Oh, I'm so glad to have you. I am so done with this feeling of overwhelm. I am just <laughs> done with it. And when yes. I heard uh, that you were writing a book called The Joy of Missing Out. That is so Covey. We love to be contrary. Um, yes. And I love it that you're a productivity expert, but your book is about not being productive, which I think is really smart in this day and age. So maybe talk a little bit about your background. You say you're a productivity expert, writer, speaker, founder of Inkwell Press, which is Inkwell Press Productivity Company. So how did you become a productivity expert? And if there's a reinvention in there of your own, let's talk about that. Because you said yes. you invented a couple times, right? I have reinvented a couple times in my life. You know, I think it's really important to, to understand the, the positivity of making those 
shifts and making those adjustments in our lives because we come to come to crossroads from time to time where we do need to make those pivots and we do need to reinvent ourselves. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, the, the pivot that I made in 2013 was, it was a really big one when I started to really lean into being more of a productivity expert because I had started my first business in 2008 with $50, grew it to the point where I could bring my husband on board, working alongside of me as my CMO. I'm the CEO. And, and what was that that you started for $50? People are going to want to know about that. <laughs> well, I started off, it was a side, it's supposed to be a side business for me. I was a stay-at-home mom thinking that I needed to have something to do while my husband traveled the world for his job where he'd be gone mm-hmm. for three or four weeks at a time. Wow. And I had a call with him that just, that was my reinvention moment. Like if you, sometimes there's a, a very specific moment in our lives where we, we do shift and change. And for me, that happened in my kitchen all those years ago where he told me that he wasn't happy being away from my kids, being away mm-hmm. from, you know, uh, the day to day and seeing the milestones our kids were going through. And I stood in my kitchen that day and I made a decision to grow this little side business where I was making jewelry into mm-hmm. a full-time business. And I was going to grow it to the point to have him come work alongside of me. And I did ah, that okay. in the course of a year. In the so course was, of a year. Yes, I did. With no business experience, never taken a single business course, sat down, sat down that night, created operations for myself because productivity is one of those things I just love to do. And it's just kind of naturally one of my gifts, I think. And so sat down, created operations for myself to make that goal into a reality, you know, while still being a stay-at-home mom with a husband who traveled <laughs> three or four weeks at a time with two small kids, you know, and it could have been really easy to say that that was an impossible dream. But really, I think, you know, especially when you're making a big pivot like this, it's taking it step by step by step. What can I do instead of thinking about what I can't do? And so I made that goal into reality back in about 2009 is when he came and started working alongside of me. And we still work across the desk from each other every single day. We love it. Oh my God. So can you give me an idea of how big this business is and what is it called? Well, so that first business was a jewelry business and I closed that down in order okay. to open up Inkwell Press. And with oh, Inkwell okay. Press, yes, that was my, my next reinvention. So my first reinvention was actually becoming an entrepreneur, becoming a business owner when I really had thought my whole life I would be a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. So that was my first shift. And then this is the thing is sometimes we think, okay, now I'm on the right path, but it's, it's not quite right for me. The, the business I was creating, what I was doing, wasn't putting forth the impact I really wanted in the world. It wasn't making the difference. I used to be a teacher. And so impact is really important to me and how I'm changing people's lives. Right. And so I, I went to my husband in 2013. At this point, you know, the business is our sole income. You know, it's paying our bills, feeding our kids three meals a day. They like to eat. <laughs> they like to have where do you live, activities. Tanya? Where, where are you living and doing this business? So I live now in Asheville, North Carolina. Okay. So when I first started my first business, I was in Dallas, but I decided if I could live anywhere, since I can mm-hmm. run my business anywhere, mm-hmm. why not move to where I want to live instead of waiting till I retire? So I moved mm-hmm. to Asheville mm-hmm. in about 2012. Mm-hmm. And then I look at my husband a year later and go, okay, I'm not happy. Mm. <laughs> this, is not, this is not really what I think I'm designed to do. It's not making the impact I want. Mm-hmm. It was great. Now is the jewelry business? It was a jewelry business that I started with. It was actually a wholesale jewelry business. I would mm-hmm. work with photographers and I would mm-hmm. set their photographs into pieces of sterling silver jewelry that were designed to be like heirloom quality um, jewelry to be passed down for generations with photographs embedded in them. And so um, I looked at him in 2013 and said, this is not checking the boxes for me of what makes me happy and what makes me passionate. I love working with you. I love growing a business, but I don't love what I'm creating and putting forth into the world. So that was another major shift for me was, you know, 
he said, you know, what is it you want to do? And I said, I have no idea. I have no idea. What if there is nothing that I meant to do? What if I have no purpose? What is, what does that look like? And it was very scary to feel unsatisfied. And yet knowing that I, I, that I needed to find something else. And so I carved out some space and time for myself to really dive deep into who am I? What am I passionate about? What are the things that I really want to do in my life that are tied to me? And that is really how I came up with the whole concept and the idea of the North Star, which we talk about in the book, which is your mission, your vision, and your core values. You know, why you do what you do, your mission statement, where you want to go, your vision statement, and then how you want to get there. Those are your core values. And by having those things laid out for me, it really created the guide, the light I needed to light my path up. So for me, when I went through that process, I found there were three things I was truly passionate about. I was passionate about empowering women. I was helping a lot of other women grow their businesses, and I love that. Passionate about teaching, because I used to be a teacher. I love to teach. And then I was passionate about productivity, because productivity is what allowed me to grow that business with $50 into, you know, a, a larger, you know, empire where my husband could work alongside of me. And so out of those three very unrelated, you know, passions, I created Inkwell Press, a company focused on helping empower women through productivity to really live their best lives with a very strong element of not just products, but also service with giving, you know, videos and tutorials and tips and courses to really help them better their lives. That's amazing. So how did... How did this new book then come out of it? And, and how did you become a product? Did you, did you study productivity? Did you just, is this just your own take from learning to be more productive in your own life? Like just go into that whole, yes. well, I where like do you to get say, that from? Yeah, I like to say I've lived so many different iterations of my life, you know, of being mm-hmm. a, a you know, single woman, being a working woman, then mm-hmm. being married woman, then being a, a stay-at-home mom, then a work-at-home mom, and then a full-time mm-hmm. working mom. So through all those different, you know, roles that I've played, I've learned along the way. And then productivity, as I mentioned, is just one of those things that came naturally to me. So, you know, when I started my business, um, I was able to scale it to seven figures within 18 months with only three employees, me, my husband, and one other person. Um, And so productivity is just something that I live, I breathe, I eat. I'm always studying it. I'm always researching it. And I've created a lot of systems over the years. And so here's the thing, there's not really like, you can't really get like a PhD in, you know, certain type of productivity. You can go and get certain kinds of trainings. But the problem I was finding is that so often I think productivity fails people. I think that, you know, people go, oh, I tried it. It doesn't work. Or I tried this system. It doesn't work. And I think that's the problem is that, you know, there's this whole rigid system and we are expected to work our lives around the system. Mm-hmm, and that's why mm-hmm. it doesn't work. It fails for us. It's not mm-hmm. us that fails. It is the system. It is too rigid. Mm-hmm. And so I really wanted to create and develop a system where you and your priorities sit front and center. And then we wrap the system around you playing to your strengths, but also playing to your weaknesses. Because I think it's really important. We love to talk about our strengths, but it's also important to embrace our beautifully imperfect selves. That that is a good thing to know, to really recognize and realize our weaknesses so we can play to those. And so by having you and your priority at the center and creating the system around you, it's almost like having you know a custom shirt made for you. It's designed to work for you so it feels easier and it feels mm-hmm. simpler to implement. And therefore, you're going to be more successful. Hmm. And can you explain a little bit about what that means? I mean, there's a lot of 
you know, there's a lot of productivity out there. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean really when you talk about it? Like give me an example of what you're talking about that you're asking women to do differently or that you've seen them respond to differently. Yeah, I love this question because really the thing is, is a lot of times with these systems, when you look at them, they're very overly complicated. Yes. And very rigid. And mm-hmm. so the thing is like with the way that we teach or the way that I teach the live well method, which is my productivity system, is it really is about let's pick and choose the things that really work for you. And then everything within the system has a lot of grace and flexibility in it. Because I think that's one of the things that's really missing with a lot of these rigid systems is, you know what life needs? flexibility because some days are amazing. Some days are great. Some days are not so great because, you know, sometimes we wake up with a kid crawling into our bed in the middle of the night, or we're up late working on a project and we don't get enough sleep or those things happen. So we need to have a lot more grace in our lives. So for, for me and the way that I teach, it really is about, let's start with that first step of discovery. Let's rediscover who you are. I think it happens, you know, if for many of us that that we, we get into our lives and we, we fill these certain roles and we forget about the things that defined us before, right? We, we define ourselves singularly as a mother or as a career mm-hmm. woman or as mm-hmm. a whatever. And we forget that we can interject a little bit of and in our life. You can be mm-hmm. a good mom and mm-hmm. a career woman. You can be a good wife and a fabulous, strong entrepreneur. You can be, mm-hmm. you know, we need more and in our lives. We need more mm-hmm. flexibility. And it's not about piling more on your plate. It's really about giving yourself the grace to stretch outside of the comfort zone of what you know right now and make that a part of your life, the things that you're truly passionate about. So we always start with discovery, figuring out who you are, what are your purpose, your passion, your priorities, what are those things, and then let's prioritize your life so really everything flows around that. I like to tell people that, you know, I say, oh, I talk about productivity, and they come in the door, and I'm like, okay, it's really about intentional living. It really is about living a life Mm. that's centered on your priorities. Living with intention, you know, that's truly, when we think about productivity, Mm -hmm. it's not about doing more. We mm-hmm. often think that it's really, how many things can I check off my list? How mm-hmm. many blog posts can I mm-hmm. write in 10 mm-hmm. minutes? How much can mm-hmm. I get done? Productivity is not about doing more. It's doing what is most important. And what is most important is different for you than it is for me, than it is for your best friend, than it is for your mom, than it is for your cousin. It's different for each of us. So let's first start by discovering what is truly important to you. And then let's create our days and create structure to our weeks and our months and our days so that really those things that are important to us are what we cornerstone our entire lives on. So that way those things get tackled first. So how do you do that? Give me an example. Okay. So one of the favorite tools that a lot of people love to use is a to-do list right? Yes. People take a lot of pride in their to-do list and the mm-hmm. longer the to-do mm-hmm. list, the mm-hmm. more pride they have in it. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this badge of honor that, that shows that they're really, really busy. Right. And I tell people, you got to throw out your to-do list. Your to-do list really does work against you. Mm. Way too long. It's unorganized. Mm-hmm. It's unattainable. I mean, let's be honest. Most of our to-do lists have 36 hours worth of activities on it for a 24-hour day. It's not feasible. In fact, LinkedIn found that only 11% of professionals complete the items on their to-do list each day, which means 89% of people leave their to-do list undone, which is why we check a thousand things off that list. We're running around busy, checking things off, checking things off, slipping into bed at night thinking, gosh, I didn't get enough done. I was busy all day long. 
mm-hmm. that I didn't do enough. Mm-hmm. That's a really mm-hmm. defeating problem, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the worst way to end our days. So I tell people, instead of making a to-do list, let's make a priority list. A priority list takes the exact same amount of time as a to-do list. It's essentially a to-do list with intention. There's that word again, intentionality, right? So essentially what we do is instead of just having a long jumbled list, we organize it in order of priority. So there's three levels to our priority list. The top is escalate, then cultivate, and then accommodate tasks. So at the very top, and you'll notice if you're familiar with the Eisenhower matrix, it mimics, it's almost like a marriage of the Eisenhower matrix and the triage method to make this priority list. It's really, really simple to do. At the top, we have our most important tasks, the things that are escalate. So these are things that are important in that they're driving you closer to your North Star. They're linked to your goals. They're investments in yourself. They're things that are advantageous. So they're important, but they also happen to be urgent. You Mm. see, so often we think anything urgent has to be important. And that's not necessarily Ah. true, right? Mm -hmm, We confuse mm -hmm. urgent with urgent things are just tied to a deadline. But because Mm -hmm. they are the fires that need to be put out, because of the things that are beeping at us and screaming at us, we tend to tackle them first, even when they're not the most important, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we start at the top with things that are important and they happen to be urgent as well. And that's really where we want to start our day with those tasks that are going to drive us forward, but have a looming deadline coming up. And then next up is our cultivate task. So escalate happens first and then cultivate. This is the area where you're going to see a lot of personal and professional growth. So these are the things that are important. Again, driving you closer to your goals, connected to your North Star, things that are investment in yourself, but they don't have a looming deadline. They're not urgent. And -hmm. because they're not urgent, these are the things that get tossed aside, Mm. even though this is probably the most important task you can take care of in your day. These Mm -hmm. are things like improving yourself professionally or personally, you know, by taking a course or, you know, even reading or, you know, articles and journals in your industry Mm -hmm. or, you know, creating budgets, um, you know, projecting, making, you know, working on um, tasks that aren't due right away that you could really innovate and create on. So this is the area we want to spend the majority of our time. These are investments. It's called cultivate because Mm -hmm. what we cultivate today bears fruit in the future, right? Mm -hmm. When we cultivate our tasks, we get to the point where there are fewer urgent tasks in our life. We don't want those urgent fires. We want them to go away. Mm -hmm. We Mm want to spend as much time as we can on what's important. Mm -hmm. So we Mm -hmm. started there at the top with escalate. Then we have cultivate. And at the bottom, those are our tasks that are accommodate. So these are tasks that are urgent. They're the screaming fires, but they're not really important. Mm. They, get, they get done first a lot of times on a to-do list because mm-hmm. we just want to check them off because we want okay. to stop, stop the screaming, right? Uh-huh. And so we start our day there and that's how we get, you know, stuck in this uh. loop of doing all these tiny little tasks instead of working on the bigger things, the things that are going to drive you forward and move you in the direction you really want to go. So we end our day on the accommodate tasks. And they're called accommodate because, yeah, you can slip them in here or there. We don't revolve our day around them because they're not truly important. You know, this is why we check a thousand things off our list, but don't feel like we accomplished enough because we're checking off things that aren't really driving us forward. Uh-huh. You know, we, we think it's good to check off 50 things, but really it would be better to check off five important tasks instead of 50 unimportant tasks we would feel Mm. more accomplishment. We would feel more achievement at the end of our day, which would make us feel a little more successful and a little more motivated for tomorrow. 
Wow, very good point. And you've been teaching this in the form of courses or how have you been teaching? So I have my podcast, which we're on, I think, episode, what, 150 something at this point. So I've been doing it through the podcast. And then I also and what's have what's the courses. name of the podcast so people Pro- can find it, Tanya? Yes, Productivity Paradox. Oh. So just like you, I keep my episodes nice and short. I know that uh, I like yeah. to tell people if I'm going to use your time and I'm going to tell you about how important your time is, I should use it wisely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's kind okay. of my thoughts on that. So I have my podcast that I do each and every week. And then I also have courses that I've taught. And um, I've worked with people in person and one-on-one and doing coaching, but really for the most part, the courses and the podcasts are are really my main vehicles. And then I was approached by several publishers who were paying attention to what I was talking about, who came and asked me if I would write a book. I had two publishers in the course of three weeks reach Mm -hmm. out to me and ask me to publish a book. And it was one of those things where it was like, okay, I think it's time to maybe reinvent myself again a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes these things start appearing in your path and so then um, I ended up writing my book, The Joy of Missing Out with HarperCollins, and that just came out October 1st, which has been amazing and great. And it just allowed me to really dive deeper into a lot of those concepts that we've talked about in the course and in my, um, my podcast to make it, you know, a full system that people can take with them, which has been fabulous. And what's different that's in your book? Is it just pulled together in a different way or... Well, you know, I like to tell people that because I'm a teacher, I can't get away from being a teacher. So I like anything that I create or anything that I offer to be written almost like a curriculum. So it's almost like a mini course in that we go through the steps together and there's a lot of callbacks. It's really woven together, just like you would see if you were taking a course with me um, or if you were to take, you know, a course anywhere else. Um, And so because too, that it is written specifically for women it is very unique. Uh, of the publishers, my book ended up going to auction actually because the publishing houses were saying, this is the first book written on a productivity system for women by a woman in decades. That they, that's just not, most of the books on productivity have been written by men. Yes. And we twist them and turn them to make them work for us. That's right. But really being able to lean into this idea of this book is for women and lean into some of the stumbling blocks that we have that are different from men really allowed me to, to dive deeper into those concepts and to really, um, one of the most gratifying things with having the book out there is people saying, I feel like you've been listening to me in my living room. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're saying the things that I've been talking about with my friends. You're talking about the things that, that I've been struggling with that I've tried to explain to my husband, or I'm having my husband listen to the audiobook with me so he can understand why I feel this way or why I think this way. And so that's been really gratifying for me. And what would you say is the essence of that that's so different? Is it all related to childcare or what is it? No. I mean, we know this is true, but. Yes, we do. What's the core core difference that. Well, really, to be honest with you, women tend to lean into our perfectionism a lot more. We have a lot more guilt than men do. We tend to overthink things. Um, We're much more emotional than men are, especially when making decisions and those types of things. And so really leaning into some of those, those things that women deal with and process differently in our brains. It's been proven that our brains really do work differently than, than men's do. To really lean into a lot of that and to bring in some of that brain research, bring in some of those studies that, that talk about why we think the way that we do and feel the way that we do. I think there's a lot of enlightenment that happens when uh-huh. we can say, oh, that's why I feel this way. Okay, Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. I know how I can either lean into this more or how I can shift it a little bit so I can make this thing that I thought of as a negative into a positive, right? Right. And so I think that's really powerful. 
Um, I think too, for women, especially, I like to say that we are the CEO of the office and we're yes. the CEO of the home, yes. right? We right. take off the CEO of the office hat, yes. we walk in the front door and we put on that CEO of the home hat. And that's yes. different for us than it is for men. It really is. Even for men who are very hands-on, men who are, who are very helpful around the house, we're still seen as the person who runs the house. And so for me, productivity isn't just something you do in the office space. It's something we do everywhere in every aspect of our life. I like to say, um, you know, you can bring home the bacon and fry it up in a pan, but if the kitchen is burning down around you, it does you no good. So right. we really want to think about productivity at home and productivity at the office. And let's make it so all of that runs smoothly together. And I think that's part of what's been missing in a lot of productivity books is that they really do focus very heavily into the office space. And I uh -huh. think that both are important, office and home. We want a nice, stable foundation so everything runs smoothly. So I was able to lean into both of those areas in the book. That makes sense. Now, interesting, I'm curious, you use lean in every sentence practically. Mm -hmm. Do you... Do you sort of subscribe to the whole lean in thing? I mean, especially oh. being a productivity person, is that just a, absolutely? why do you do. use lean in? Really? Interesting. Oh, I do. Yeah. Because, you know, I believe that we, we don't want balance. You know, we're, we're always after this mythical balance and truly we don't want balance. If everything is balanced, if everything, every aspect of our life is perfectly even, we're not moving in any true direction. We're not choosing the direction our life goes. You know, it's very similar to riding a bike in that to, if you're perfectly balanced, it's fine as long as you want to go in one central direction. But if you want to turn left, you have to lean to the left. Now, you mm -hmm. can't stay lean because you'll fall over, right? You'll scrape your knee. Mm -hmm. You have to counterbalance. And then if you want to choose to turn right, you got to lean over to the right. And it's the same way in our lives that if we want to grow, if we want to really I see some great personal, professional growth in different areas of our life. We have mm -hmm. to put more time, energy, and focus into that area. That way mm -hmm. it flourishes and it grows. Now we can't stay leaned into that area. We have to counterbalance and then we have to lean into another area. So maybe we have a season or let's say a quarter of the year where we lean into a work goal. We can do that. That's okay. And maybe we don't put as much a focus on home, but then we need to counterbalance. And then maybe the next quarter is more of a focus on home life and things going on there. That's the idea of harmony that I really like to talk about because mm -hmm. truly this idea of, of balance is first of all, impossible to achieve. Correct. And second of all, it's just not something we truly want. We think we do. It sounds great on paper, but if you're not really pouring yourself fully into your goals, if you're not pouring yourself truly into your priorities, those priorities are not going to continue to, to flourish. And that's really what we want to do. We want to give more time, more energy, and more focus to the things that are important to us at the time. Now that time, focus, and energy has to come from somewhere else right? It doesn't just magically make itself. So we have to take away from other areas. So this is that idea of really leaning in and then counterbalancing and then leaning in again and counterbalancing another direction. So you're not using it the way the original lean in book was using it, which no. was suit up, act more like a man, Ugh, sit no. at the table. Okay. Not. You're just no, using no, no, it no. as a directional, like a yes. more of a bal anti-balance kind mm -hmm. of thing. Okay. That's what I was trying to understand. I was like, okay, is she... <laughs> Because I found that, personally, I found it to be very old-fashioned to say that yes. women were responsible for everything that was wrong in the, in the workplace and that it was all their fault, that they just didn't 
you know, step up to the plate enough. And, and yeah, I just I, found that not true. I don't, I don't agree with that, that at all. I do okay. agree leaning into your priorities. But <laughs> I get not, it. I get not it. that old. Yes. Yes, I agree. So as we're closing here, what would you say are the three things that people can do to get this going for themselves? If they're reinventing, what is their best bet um, for becoming better at the productivity? And one of the people on your website who had read your book said they... um, they're saying they're, you do, well, your copy says you learn how to reject the pressure to do more, be more, achieve more. It's kind of funny because what you're actually saying is you're still going to achieve more, but it's by clearing things out. But yes, what would you tell people to do? You know, sort of three tips that they have not heard everywhere. Yeah. So I would say the first place to start is let's first start by discovering you. Let's, let's focus in and figure out what are your priorities? What are the things you're truly passionate about? And I think one of the best ways to do that is really, I think, to look backwards in order to move forward. So really looking at your past, you know, not just the past 12 months, but even further back, you know, even looking as far as what were the things when you were young that you were truly passionate about? So let's say, you know, you were passionate about playing basketball on your basketball team. It's not about playing basketball. It's why were you passionate about that? What what was it that you found passion in? Was it the competitiveness? Was it the athleticism? Was it the teamwork? Was it, what, what was it that, you know, and start really looking at some of those things you were passionate about in the past. But I also say, look at the things you don't like in your past, because a lot of times we can learn more from the things we don't like because it, it wasn't aligned with who we really are. So uh-huh. that's where I would tell you to start is start by discovering yourself by digging in your past, doing a little, being a little bit of a Nancy Drew, dig into your past mm-hmm. a little bit, see what are the areas of your life that, that you have found in the past that, that fulfill that idea of what you are truly passionate about, and then start working towards creating a life where that is the center point. And then I would really recommend too using that priority list. So I would challenge your listeners to really think about how can I take that list that I already have and transition that into a priority list and really making sure that we're not putting so many things on that list that it's not achievable. Choosing to take five steps rather than 50 steps, five important steps rather than 50 unimportant steps. So start by, you know, dividing that list up and, and categorizing them into those three categories we talked about earlier, escalate, Mm -hmm. cultivate, Mm -hmm. and accommodate. And then the last thing I would say truly is remembering that the small steps matter. You know, we get really caught up in these giant leaps of faith. I think that in order to make a change or in order to shift and pivot, it has to be this giant running jump. And it really doesn't have to be. The first step is the most important step because that's what's going to build up our momentum. That's what's going to give us the drive to take the second step and then another third step and then maybe a fourth larger step. So don't get caught up in what the big steps are. I think we get really caught up in these giant goals And instead, let's set up some mini milestones that are achievable, that are small to start, to build up that inertia and that momentum to help drive you forward into that life you want. Yeah, I thought the the what you were talking about with that middle ground one, you're right. We we don't spend any time in the cultivate area Mm -hmm. because we're so busy spending our time at the bottom of the list. Yes. And I'm a big bullet journal person. And so the bullet journal probably needs a little reprogramming. Yeah. Yeah. Because it does, 
Do you know like, about the bullet journal? Do you yes, have any say I, I, about I, it or thoughts? I like the whole the concept behind it, how you use the symbols to really call things out. I think the problem yes. with it truly is, is that it's not prioritized. It's again, yes. kind of jumbled in there. Yes. Um, so I think you can, you can take the bullet journal idea yeah. and prioritize. You could use yeah. a, a, you know, a one, two, three, or you could use the E for escalate, C for cultivate, uh-huh. and then A for accommodate. And that would easily work in the same way. And just make sure that you're kind of putting those in order. Okay. That's interesting. Anything else that we should know before we we close up here? Anything that you want to say to these listeners who are big reinventors or who maybe, as you said, you know, like you, not sure of what that next item is going to be. They know they need to reinvent themselves, but they're not quite sure how to find that first thing. Mm -hmm. I like to tell people that overwhelm isn't having too much to do. It's not knowing where to start. So start with that first step of let's take some time and really rediscover who you are. Start thinking about the things that are important to you and then give yourself the grace and the space to really just write it out. You know, for me, when I was working on that, I gave myself a solid week to just work on just that. That might be not be wow, feasible just for that you, first, Just making that first clarity about what you wanted, you did it for a week? I did it for a week, a week okay. solid. And that was my only task that I worked on in the entire week. Wow. Um, I really okay. began to look, you know, I would do different, you know, I'd think through different things. I would look through things in my past. I would think about the things that I enjoyed. I'd think about the things I didn't like. And I started making lists and looking for patterns. So okay. start looking for patterns that you're seeing in your life of things that keep recurring again and again and again, maybe in different forms, maybe in different words, but are very, very similar. And see if you can start grouping those together and that is when, when you start to really see that light at the end of the tunnel, like, okay, this is, because I think sometimes we feel like we're scattered and we're all in these different areas. Yes. We like to say we're multi-passionate, so we don't yes. know where to focus. A lot of times if we dig into not what you're doing, but why are you passionate about it? What is it about that activity that you're passionate about and this activity over here? Let's dig into the why, because then you'll start to see these threads beginning to connect. And that's really when you'll get to the heart of what it is you want to do. But why you're passionate about it. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's where the the key lies. Wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I so appreciate this talk, Tanya. It's definitely going to help all of us. And um, I'm sure that many, many people will jump in and buy your book because it sounds great. The Joy of Missing Out. There's nothing I love more than to just say no and get into bed early and watch a Netflix or read my book or something like that and, <laughs> and not feel like I'm missing out. So that is just a great title. I love it. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thanks so much for having me. So thank you, everybody, for listening to this great discussion with Tanya Dalton. I can't wait to start reprioritizing everything I do in my bullet journal. Those of you who know me, I'm a bullet journal junkie, but she's right. One of the issues is that everything has the same weight in the bullet journal, and that's not good. We can't can't possibly do all those items. We have to somehow organize them into things that propel us forward. And I find myself the victim of that. So that's what I'm going to work on over the holidays. And I hope that if you like us, you will subscribe to Reinvent Yourself. And I hope you'll also come and join us on CoveyClub.com. We have a wonderful new app called Connect Covey Connect, 
where you can meet women around the world who are interested in doing everything you're doing and living the most fabulous time of their lives. And they're friendly and they're open for business and for friendship and they don't want to live an isolated, quiet life. They're out there killing it right now. And they're looking for friends like you and me. And I'm looking to be your friend as well, too, because I'm an uber extrovert. I need everybody. So anyway, thank you so much for joining us. And I hope to see you next time on Reinvent Yourself.